This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to continue the discussion on Aston Villa's unbeaten run, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Philip Shaw. Philip. Oh, very official. Yes. Sorry, I should have said Christopher. Christopher Bird, I should have said. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Just managed to get to the Bournemouth game. Had a double problem in the morning. One was, couldn't find my uh, season card. Second one oh, was dear. the drain seemed to have totally blocked up. So I was getting alien visitors from other apartments, sewerage in my toilet and bath. Oh dear. <laughs> yes. Bloody tampons and things like that. And when I say bloody, I, I, I'm, I, I refer Literally. to the, uh, the ah. colour of them. So oh, uh, I was thinking, I wonder if the two are connected. <laughs> The, the missing season card and, and and the block drainage. So I was running very late, just managed... Well, I actually uh, got it to my seat. The game was already up and running. But what a game it was. Controlled. Almost comfortable. It was like... It was almost like watching continental football, wasn't it? It was like a smooth drive, wasn't it? No bumps yeah. in the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. No bumps in the road for a change. What a novelty. All to get used to this. But uh, we'll get into that in a second. How are you guys? All good on the home front? I'm very well. Busy weekend. Anything exciting? Football. Couple of gigs, obviously at the Villa. Anything exciting? Got home to watch England get predictably smashed in the uh, rugby (laughs) and then obviously just did did TalkSport. Were you doing uh, the hacker, Phil, before the rugby game? The Irish hacker? No. (laughs) You only do the hacker whenever you need to sort of psych up the win. Whenever, whenever it's a formality, you don't need to do the hacker. You just, uh, you just yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Right, coming up in the show, we will get into all the latest Villa news, including more glory for Villa over the weekend. And uh, then we'll get into dissecting the Cherries, that team that uh, had beaten us in the last four games. What a miserable stat that was. Thank God that's vanquished. Then uh, we'll have a little bit of media, muppetry, and a and a nugget uh, before discussing Villa as we go into the international break. Should we talk about the collapse of the banks, potentially the banking system? Get all your money Again. into Bitcoin. <laughs> or shall we talk about the Villa news? Yeah, let's go with the Villa news. We don't want to recreate the big short, do we, again? Mr. Dendonka's missing us. Just talk quickly about the injury news. Kamara, as, as we've suggested, you won't see him until after the international break. Same with Coutinho. I think Coutinho's a hamstring, isn't it? But Dendonka is the mystery one. People saying domestic hand injury. It's anybody- a domestic hand injury, isn't it? Yeah, anybody <laughs> got anything above any details? <laughs> Chopping onions, tomatoes? I mean, Mrs. I mean, was away and just wanted to entertain uh, himself. Uh, I mean, let's. I was going to say the imagination can run wild, but we don't really want to get into Chris Bud's imagination. Yeah, punch the wall after playing PlayStation or. Uh, 
So we're kind of down. I think McGinn probably is the third choice to go in that deep position, and uh, he's doing all right. So uh, business as well. usual. We'll carry on. Thank you very much. We'll talk more about uh, our deep sitting midfield too uh, when we talk about that game. Meanwhile, uh, under twenty one England squad. J- Jacob Ramsey is he still twenty one? Since. Uh, we don't have any players in the England uh, main squad nowadays. No recalls for Mings, Watkins. I saw you making a case for Watkins, bud, on social media. But yep. I asked myself, would I want Watkins playing centre-forward for England in a World Cup semi-final or final at the moment? And I wouldn't, probably. Mm, fair. That's how I judge it. Yeah, fair. I still think he's, you know, in, he's probably in some of his best form he's been in. Um, yeah. you know, he's probably been in England squads where he hasn't been scoring as many goals as he has recently but you could also make the argument that Tone has been one of the form strikers in the league this season yeah. so fair enough I suppose Mings I'm, I'm less surprised he wasn't in the squad although Mings has actually been playing very well and clearly better than someone like Connor Cody or playing games Eric, unlike Eric McGuire Dyer. but oh god yeah. I mean, England aren't really blessed at centre-back I don't we? think Let's Cody's in that squad is he no they brought uh, the Palace guy. That- oh, Mark G- Gay. Yeah. Southgate will regret that Palace move. Now they're going to get pumped from pillar to post, I think, without Vieira. Hopefully. But Jacob Ramsey is using his fake ID to get into the under-21 <laughs> squad, uh, <laughs> along with Cameron Archer. Speaking of internationals, our number one international, Emmy Martinez, has auctioned off the uh, the gloves that he wore in the World Cup final for children with cancer, stating it is much more important to help children than to have my club stored in a box at home. Good he's, lad. He's, uh, he's actually, his, his trophy room, uh, history room, or whatever you want to call it at his house is pretty impressive. There were some uh, videos going around of, a, of an interview he did there. Yeah. I think he's, he's got enough momentum from the World Cup, really, hasn't he? but uh, a good cause. Meanwhile, uh, the much-improved Villa under-21s actually got beat. They were making a charge for the playoffs in the Premier League 2 Division 2 section. I think it's the North section, isn't it? But they sit in fifth place level with Norwich, although Norwich have got a game in hand. So we'll see if they can get that one over the line. Meanwhile, Villa women's team. I was quite intrigued by this game. It went face-to-face again, head-to-head with uh, Manchester City, who uh, are third in the Women's Super League. But uh, Villa have managed to beat them and draw against them in the league this season. So it was uh, interesting to see, you know, what level are we at? Because Villa women, obviously, you know, their losses came early doors in the season, but they're actually on quite a monstrous run at the moment. Is it like five or so games? They're doing really well. So uh, really head-to-head well. against Manchester City at the best Scott and uh, one all extra time with Villa missed a sitter on like six-yard yeah. header, last touch of the game. Then it went into extra time and uh, Rachel Daly popped up from close range to get what was the winner, even though she did have a head-to-head clash with the other fellow top scorer in the Women's Super League, Bunny Shaw of Manchester City. But uh, both of them were okay, but it, there was six minutes uh, extra time. But Villa looked pretty uh, in control throughout that extra time. Manchester City had noticeably got some fast players, but just lacking a bit of composure in the end. But uh, when you look at the league table, you look at Manchester City in third. They've played 15 and this is exactly the same record as Manchester United in second. These are the women's teams that have been throwing bigger money at this. Played 15, won 11, drawn two, lost two. Now, you've you got to remember that Villa took one of those losses and uh, one of those draws against Manchester City. So Manchester City actually have a pretty decent season. So Villa to do what they've done to them is pretty impressive and bodes very well for next year because uh, Villa currently nine points off those European places so then I mean you're never going to catch them it's, it's like a two leagues in one isn't it it's the top four than the rest but Villa are actually crossing the bridge so next season can they challenge for the top four should be in- intriguing to see hopefully but to you know to be in a you know an FA Cup semi-final that's probably their you would think the, the biggest result they've had maybe a league or a or a you know a cup Cup thing. It's a really good statement of a you know a barometer of where they're at now, which is great. But they're mixing it with the the big the sort of you know, the the bigger teams now, which is where they want to be. Yeah. Before we get into the game, a uh, quick whiz through the three points of the week. Uh, point number one: Gianni Infantino. I feel like three points. <laughs> Re-elected as FIFA president for the foreseeable future. This is as dodgy as fuck. You meant to be. How many terms are you allowed to serve? 
Because this is his start. first election, despite stepping in in 2016. So how many, it's like maximum of three, four year terms. He's already yep. been there since 2016, but this is classing as his first re-election. So he's been there seven years, but apparently this is the first election. Did anybody stand against him? No, it was uncontested, of course. <laughs> Can anybody just, I might, I would have applied. What happened to <laughs> David Ginola when he... Uh, wasn't he meant to be doing something that Paddy Power had sponsored? That was for FIFA, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for FIFA present. So Infantino is basically going to be there in our lifetimes, isn't he, as the uh, FIFA Looks president? Like uh, I mean, also at the uh, FIFA conference that uh, this was declared at, as was always muted, that they, they're sticking to the four teams per group in the 2026 World Cup, even though it's expanded to 48 teams. I mean, they were going to have three team groups. That never works well. No. It, they used to have that in the 82 World Cup. That was the second round. You'd have groups of three and then you'd go into the knockouts. And it was just, just boring. So I, I don't understand why they thought that would be more exciting. But then based on the excitement of the final games of the last World Cup, they decided to stay with it. They're desperate for change, basically just to create more games, to create more revenue, really. Mm-hmm. Point number two, England fans have been warned by uh, Napoli's ultras uh, in the upcoming England-Italy game. Stupid idea. A, having a game. B, having an England match in Napoli. As soon as I hear Napoli, European game, first thing that springs to mind is scooters driving past packed pubs on the streets and uh, knives driving past on the scooter with a knife and slashing buttocks. I mean, that's one of the tricks. So you don't actually feel yourself bleed out because it happens every fucking time. So who the hell organised this? I didn't realise they were playing in uh, Naples. It's like somebody Let alone letting the fans have a have a game between themselves as well. Yeah, it's just somebody who doesn't really know, puts this together doesn't really know you know football fan culture. I mean, it's a tough town to go to. It's like if the you know if the the ultras don't get you, the locals will, and if they don't, the police definitely will. <laughs> they got a triple tier threat. Great pizza though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for the pizza. Right, point number three: QPR boss. Gareth Ainsworth, remember him? Try he's, he's, he's also got a band. What's the band called? I was watch I was watching a few videos of his the other day just to wind up my uh, QPR friend. Anyway, he's uh, trying to use the hacker to inspire the team. So uh, Villa's loney uh, Tim Arogmanum has experienced an unusual piece of man management as they've brought, uh, is it just one Maori that they've brought to the facility, uh, training facility? It was a bizarre video, this. Uh-huh. It's very partridge, isn't it? It's unannounced, so the, the players are all sitting having their whiteboard meeting and all of a sudden the, they hear sort of like the noise and then uh, the guy comes out in full Maori dress and starts doing the haka and the looks in the players faces is just it's, it's an absolute picture is it a cringy just, uh, video oh, it's very very it's cringy dreadful. and i mean ainsworth has come on and said he's the reason he's doing this he's introducing the maori culture to his players and staff and he says it's not just about sports performances but about the mental side the inner side of who you are as a person but it, it hasn't helped them because they even managed to lose one nil to the blues in their last game <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's like somebody who's read something and now who thinks they're probably a bit smarter than they actually are here. And it's uh, probably a ham-fisted interpretation of it's what like he's Paul trying Lambert to do. after he went to Dortmund, doesn't it, and came back yeah. and tried to teach Villa to play passing game. Yeah, turn us into Barker. Right, uh, let's get into this Bournemouth game. <laughs> A shiny, feel-good game it was. Unlike the weather. Well, no, that the weather was pretty good. Getting there, I had to take my bloody coat off. Oh, it was boiling, and then I got absolutely soaked to the bone after the game. I knew the the rain in the game was coming because uh, I was checking the other scores, and it said, I don't know why as English we like to talk about the weather, but it was Wolves-Leeds game. They were talking about the weather instead of the action, so I knew there was a shower coming, and, and it did show up. Was it second half? And then a big rainbow. Before half time as well. Massive rainbow, which is very symbolic because it is the rainbow bridge to it Europe. Was. If not this season, <laughs> oh, next yes. season. And the pot of gold at the end. And the pot of gold, yeah, exactly. But going into this game, we know the situation. There was four defeats on the trot against Bournemouth, which just isn't on, really. Tricky game, train strikes as well. But Bournemouth uh, had some form. They'd just beaten Liverpool 1-0, who uh, were fresh off hammering Manchester United. 
They'd only just lost against Arsenal in the was it seventh or eighth minute of injury time. Yeah, the game really before that. that, they played well. So they'd been playing well against top teams, mixing it, and probably looked at us and thought, well, actually, we can do something here because they're not all that good. And if they'd been watching, studying the Crystal Palace game, they'd be thinking, hmm, this could be a chance to eke some points out of this relegation battle. But we just slapped them about the first 10 minutes, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah. Like a rag doll. Yeah. <laughs> we played some great football. We came out of the traps really well. You could see the plan, what what the plan was straight away. And we played at a reasonable tempo as well, measured at the back. But then when we went through the phases of the field, we kind of went through the gears a little bit. And you, know, you saw that with the first goal. I think Bailey did, you know, had a, who had a sort of a frustrating game at times, but actually did really well. Cuts the ball back. Louise, who frankly we haven't seen getting forward enough, but we know he can do it. And took the ball away 1-0 and never really looked back from that point. Well, our, our prognosis last week against West Ham, and it was an unchanged team, was that uh, Louise would be uh, deeper of you two and McGinn would have mm-hmm. more of a licence. But it, it was the opposite way around in the uh, early stages of that game because Louise, well, actually throughout the game, the whole game, Louise was... Yeah, they chopped uh, and changed a lot. But Louise was pretty much most of the time the one who was uh, really getting forward. And as as an overall theme... I think Ramsey alluded to this in his interview after the game about the difference between you know this and Gerard is he's playing a lot more forward and you'd have noticed that McGinn and Ramsey there was that period where we were shipping goals on the counter so if Dean or Cash ever got forward then you would see visibly see McGinn or whoever was on the side whether it was you know Cash or uh, Dean McGinn or Ramsey would sit back basically covering the the fullback's position but with the two deep sitters you've you've got more cover haven't you against the counter so these yep. two are playing a lot more forward or they McGinn was obviously before uh, he's had to change his role and there's a lot more menace around the box i mean against a team that was uh, obviously had men back i mean they were dropping d- deep and you know to the halfway line and let us have, have the ball largely uh, but when they drop deep, we've actually got, now we've got men in the box who were like doing little flicks and one-twos and scheming and doing runs. And, you know, Bailey actually, it looked like a lost course, but then he turned it into a possibility. And, uh, you know, that was the cross that set up uh, Louise. He, he kind of worked, worked himself a better angle, didn't he, before he crossed it? He did. Yeah. And delivered well with his right foot. Hmm. That's the thing. That's what why Bailey's so frustrating. You see flashes of what he can be and what he can do because that decision... In another game, Bailey might have just swung his left foot at that and put it into the stands or scuffed it wide, but he actually knew what he was doing. He got the ball, took it back around onto his right, and you could see just before he sent it in there, Louise just Louise didn't move. He didn't make a, a, like an intelligent run or something. He was standing in the space, and he just was like pointing, going, give it to me here, it's easy. And that's what Bailey did, and just tapped it in. But, I mean, you're still hearing, uh, well, you know, from where I sit in the hole, for fuck's sake, when we're playing it out the back, that's what you hear. There's, there's still frustrations but it was a lot more measured this time and it's getting quicker it and it's getting slicker. And once we break through that midfield... We're on to you. Ramsey bursts through into the eight. Moreno was bursting through, you know, taking players on Buendia, just causing, you know, confusion. And you've got Louise coming up uh, as well. And and mm-hmm. there's just people getting in the box and, they're you know, they're playing with each other. And it's, it's not like you're getting frustrated by two banks and the low block or whatever you want to call it we're actually carved you know we carved Bournemouth up multiple times we did yeah we did and there was you know there's a couple of other chances in the first half um kind of came when there was a Watkins one I think it was from a Buendia ball we're quicker in transition where we, we, we you know hunting not necessarily hunting packs but we hunt cleverly pick the ball up and we move quickly yeah um and you'd like to think that the pace of how we want to play will increase certainly in the opposition half. I still, you know, I think in, in our half it tends to be quite measured and slow, which is that's clearly the style. You know, some people don't like that. I think there was the one McGinn back pass to Martinez that was probably the only hairy moment. But generally, other than that, I think we were quite neat and tidy. And I'd maybe caveat that by saying I, I would say Bournemouth's press was a little bit half-assed at times. It was. A- I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they wanted to overcommit. Some teams will sit on the edge of our box, and that's when we tend to get into trouble. I said on the last show, uh, part of the intrigue is, is now watching us develop in style, but also watching how the opposition uh, address it. And as soon as I saw Bournemouth barely pressing us, uh, 
especially around her own 18-yard box, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting because now the emphasis is how does this work when actually we're, we're being allowed the ball and they're dropping a bit deeper and that's where you can get frustrated and that's how you end up you know eking out a 1-0 against Palace or whatever but there was a lot more progression in it cast my mind back to uh, this Bodymore trip where we were talking uh, for you know a little while with two of Emery's men his you know his assistant coach and also his chief of staff he has this guy uh, Damien who basically everybody else reports to and then he feeds to uh, Emery, so Emery doesn't have to deal with like multiple people, you know, whether it be uh, tactical analysis or coaching staff or medical, etc. They all go through the chief of staff. And now he's a great guy. I think he was with him at uh, Valencia. And he was saying, you know, just, I think I said on something for the weekend, he was the one, as well as Lang, it was like a theme where they were saying, just you know, tell your fellow fans to be patient. But he was the one that said, yeah, just, you know, if you be patient with it and let it happen then we will have you know many beautiful things because it's all about attacking that playing out the back it's all about setting up what happens in the other half and if you're patient with it then you'll see you know many beautiful things or however you put it and you will see why we are doing this and you know it's like the typical trust the process yeah and you saw it big time against Bournemouth I thought it was like ah it's starting to crystallize yeah it's it's, it's progress and there was you had alluded to um as a, a set piece plan that would you know stop telling Louise to shoot because we've got something else up our sleeve and it, it nearly worked I mean the set piece just before the end of the half when uh, Louise played the ball into McGinn who controlled it and spun turned around and just passed it to the edge of the box for Ramsey to have a shot um it could have been anybody in the edge of the box to have a shot but Ramsey's shot worked perfectly at tour with part and if it hadn't been for their defender actually saving it with his hands you know probably went in yeah I mean this was uh, at the meeting uh, Austin McPhee was was there when we were talking to that he, he walked past and was called in and the chief of staff was uh, joking oh and also uh, when when Dougie's taken a corner can you not ask him to shoot because Austin McPhee's been working on something today for uh, you know the whole day something new and that was that was it obviously so as we said we gave you the heads up that uh, and we used it a few times as well yeah when Dougie was going to take a corner they had something new up the sleeve and it worked perfectly and there's the debate Should have been I mean, a penalty. at the time I didn't even see it hit the bloke I just saw it I just thought oh he's just just narrowly blazed it over but uh, when I checked in uh, like on my phone like a couple of minutes later everybody in match club everybody was calling for a penalty and saying it was a blatant handball and it is and then it's it's down to interpretation isn't it Mm -hmm. if it's like that and you're basically blocking the ball going into the net then it's surely a penalty yeah if you mean it or not it doesn't really matter how come especially when the ball's on target yeah everything's still down to the whim of the individual referee and the individual whoever's on VAR I mean when it's still down when they're still ignoring facts and they're still putting their own spin on it you may as well not have it I mean that's where you're at you're still down to whatever the referee thinks yeah and it's all come down to like you know body shape or as you saw like the the Fulham one at Old Trafford and the guy blocks it on the line but he's trying to block the ball it hits his hand it's a clear penalty but it's like it's just as always it's the inconsistency luckily of course it didn't affect the you know the results too much um, other than it could have been a cricket score, it, it, nevertheless, it's, it's it's frustrating. VAR, for my uh, two penneth, all VAR has done has made human error even worse. <laughs> when it has the tool yeah. to remedy human error, all it's done is made it worse. Because it, the, the the process and application is so muddled, PGMOL yeah. have, have really made a, a rat's arse of it. Yeah, and I've said it so many bloody times about you compare it to rugby. And I was watching the Scotland game, the rugby, just before I left for the game. And some of the refereeing decisions during that game were outstanding. The communication, how it's portrayed sort of in terms of the media facing stuff. You can hear all the decision making process through the game. You can hear the ref managing the game. It's almost coaching. It's brilliant. Back to the Villa game. Was it that handball where we were just there in silence and we were just waiting and nobody knew what was going on for like two minutes? What, inc- what incident yeah. was that? Was that the handball one? Yeah, I think so. And the game sort of stops. Louise is ready because it's obviously gone over the bar. He's given the corner, yeah? There was a moment where you didn't actually know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what, what's happening? There was one moment where there's... And it comes through on the, st- on the, uh, the stadium speakers. Bar checking... VAR pending, as it were. Yeah, VAR pending, VAR check complete. But this one, it was just like silent. He was touching his headphone or whatever, the referee. And there was no communication to the crowd whatsoever. 
and he's standing you wonder there. Why he'd have given if he'd have looked at his if he'd have looked at the screen if he'd have given it himself. But no, beside the point, I'm talking about the communication. You've just spent how how many you know quid or whatever your season ticket is to watch that game, and you've got no idea what's happening. That shouldn't yeah. happen. It should be clear. You should know exactly what's going on. It's it was just it's just poor application, and it's it's you know it makes a farce of the game. It's it, it should have better standards, and you know if any listeners out there, if you can remember crystal clear different moments in certain games, then just email me in because I'm just going to compile a dossier, and because uh, we do get in, the football sports association get to meet. Uh, PGM OL and I and I want to do some real obvious ones especially communication remember the Brentford game two goals in the first few minutes and they checked them for VAR every time and it only kicked in when the players got to the halfway line after the goal and this happened again didn't it on our uh, was it the Buendia goal yeah where yep. we scored and two minutes later we were just about to kick off and it's like VAR check it's like why has that not been done while they were celebrating I don't, I don't get it <laughs> makes no f- sense anyway Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Prize where it lies, almost. <laughs> that was the highlight nearly, wasn't it? Oh, I was inches away. Just rain. There'd been a shower just before they put that mat down. And I was thinking, oh, this that skinny service might make that get that ball over to the the Luke or whatever it was. Actually, it was going for Luke, so probably a good job that it came short. <laughs> Could have done with a coat, though. They were getting drenched them lot, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, good point. I felt very smug under the roof. That's why we pay the big bucks. We've got a roof. <laughs> Bournemouth never out of it, and because you know they've been pretty capable. I've never seen the, a team tug shirts so much as Bournemouth. Very noticeable. But they had kind of half chances, and then there was that free kick, which when I watched it back after the game, it's kind of weird because they've got two men on the end of the wall. It's pretty obvious what they're going to do, and it's almost like Villa are letting them take that shot just to test Martinez. Martinez has probably got three foot where he knows that ball's going to go, and it's basically... It's him versus the guy, but uh, probably less chance, obviously, with distance, but also the, just the size of the goal that he can hit. It's almost like playing, you know, five-a-sided with those mini goals. Martinez knows exactly where it's going to go. The guy's all he's got to do is hit it as hard as he can and then, you know, hope Martinez doesn't do it. But that was weird. I thought, you know, maybe have a man behind those their two guys that are going to peel off. I don't know if that creates a potential deflection yeah. threat. It's a strange one. Because you have the mad target situation again. Do you remember if there, there was a period of games last season when Matt Target just seemed to deflect the ball into his own net every chance yeah. he got? And, uh, you know, so maybe it's like get, give the keeper a clear sight of the ball sometimes. Yeah, and don't yeah. Let, the, get, let the ball come and actually back your ability when you've got a six foot, whatever he is, six foot four, six foot five goalkeeper. If it's, if it's high, you, you, I mean, it's a great save, but it's also one, while it's spectacular, you'd kind of expect him to make yeah. at the level he's at. You know, you're disappointed if you get beaten on that side, I think. It's interesting because normally your first impulse is try to block that ball before it even gets to the goal. There's like, you know, layers of defence, isn't there? But there is that deflection threat. So maybe that does play in the minds where they literally allowed them a a free go there. I mean, if I was being critical, actually, the the passage of play that led to that free kick was actually really poor. We were really dicking around with the ball, trying to dig it out on the edge of the penalty area. And it was kind of... We we did get away with one there, let's be honest. The Ramsey goal. Well, it's a ball into Watkins, isn't it? A little head down and he just... As we'd seen a few times during the game, when Ramsey just drives, as we've said pretty much every week on here, when he gets his head down and goes, he's exciting to watch. He's our best ball carrier. 
He had a good game. Happen. And when he got into the position, he did have a good game. Mm-hmm. He did have a good game. And um, and he, I thought he schemed really well with Buendia and Moreno. I think our left-hand side is becoming quite strong. I still think the other side will need work in the summer. But we carry such a threat down the left, especially when Watkins naturally drifts that way. Once he gets into position, you, you fancy him to score. and The goalie sort of gets a hand to it and it probably goes in the other other side of the net and at that point it's kind of game over and I think all of a sudden Villa sort of turned on the turned on the afterburners didn't they and finished as they'd started really strongly and it was great last what 15 minutes or so where you thought Villa could have really racked up some goals well let's go back to Moreno he I mean he was taking men on in the in the box he was like yeah. just dangerous full stop he's exciting yeah. as well I like it when he gets the ball we haven't had a fullback like that in a long time a technically very good can beat a man can pick a short pass he's kind of like almost like Buendia as well in terms of like scheming yeah 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 and I like the fact that he, he doesn't he's not a traditional fullback like Dina for example who gets sort of the three quarters you know the edge of the box and then he'll fling a ball in a bit like the, the Watkins goal at West Ham which he can do I love that he gets his head down gets to the byline and looks to pull it back yeah. it's not always just a, you know a cross for a header it's almost looking to pass the ball into the net it's great he's really really entertaining to watch when he's in full flow he'll have a shot as well if, mm. if he didn't see anything uh, blatantly yep. on and then Ramsey's starting to link up better and, he, and he's almost like a knife through butter uh, in terms of he can be yeah getting into that from the 18 edge of the 18 to penetrating runs I think it's yeah. called Ramsey's a really strange run style. It's not when you think of the the great players that can take it round players. You think of Messi, the ball's like tight to his feet, and you think of yeah. the other players that's like hit it and run. Ramsey, it doesn't really change. It it looks like an like a really standard dribble, but it's it's deceptively quick, and he's just he's just round them before they know. Yeah, it's he's like really fast over like the first three or four steps, isn't he? He kind of yep. burns through yeah, people. Yeah, he's just so direct. He's really direct and he'll take it to the contact point. So it's almost like, well, if you want to bring me down, you can, which we've seen a number of cases. Of course, once he gets into the penalty area, your natural instinct is to almost back off and you know, their lad kind of tries to stand up and Rock, um, Ramsey just flicks the ball around him and says, see you later. He actually takes him for dead and obviously dispatches the finish, which, which I thought was deserved because he, he had a good game. I mean, Villa had 20 shots in that game and uh, it felt like it as well, didn't it? It did in, in the end. You know, obviously, I think Watkins got through, didn't he? He had, a, he, had a, he had the one in the first half, which he should probably do a little bit better with. There's the one in the second where he, he comes from wide and the keeper makes a great save. That would yeah. have been a spectacular Mings, goal. I um, think Mings couldn't believe... Got uh, score, any. I think he, <laughs> he had too much time. He just saw the ball getting bigger and bigger. And it's one of those instinctively... If, probably if he had less time, he would probably scored that. Yeah. Either side of the goalie, and it's in. It's in, yeah. Which is a shame because it would have been a good, a good little subplot for him to score against his former former team. Of yeah, course. I mean, he made, he made light of it on social media. So, were you know, there's evidence I'll never score again. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah. And of course, he got he got the uh, officially he gets an assist for the the goal a couple of minutes later for Wendia that obviously that was the bizarre. Game completely I had no idea point. who scored that, and I was in the whole turn. Yeah, it was like two little flicks, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and in <laughs> nice, um, nice simple. But funny, of piece. course. It was, yeah, just a little near post corner and a flick. It's like for all the, the technicalities of McPhee's uh, intricate ones, it's a hit an area and flick it on that worked. And of course, just before that, there'd been the, the Conza one where the ball just goes out of play and everyone in the ground again is a bit confused. We kind of guessed that it was either a, a strange offside one or whether the ball had gone out. It turned out the ball had gone out, but that would have been one of the more bizarre goals that we've scored at Villa Park in recent years. Yeah, yeah I have no idea why. If only we were Japanese, because they... <laughs> Get away with it, as in the World Cup. Oh, no, but if you look from this angle, the ball's in play. <laughs> if you didn't watch the World Cup, especially Japan playing, then you'll have no idea what I'm talking about there. But yeah, the last the last 10 minutes of that Bournemouth game, it was like a throwback to the time. I don't know what happened, but previously you used to go to Villa Park, and if we were chasing the game or uh, you know, if it's one all and we were trying to win the game, you would camp out in front of the whole tens and bombard the opposition and this is what exactly what happened against Bournemouth I mean Nanny McPhee must have had an orgasm the amount of corners we had in the uh, <laughs> the last 10 minutes so he could try all kinds of tricks we, we were, we were pulling resets. out we were literally pulling out all kinds of party tricks and I mean we ended up scoring two goals in the last 10 minutes so it all worked but that was a, a very enjoyable last 10 minutes it was to be a whole tender yeah because we've tended to be starting games quite well haven't we yeah and then Chief, when we've with the last sort of few games when we've shot to the hole in second half, it hasn't actually gone that well. But it was rare to get some uh, value for money. <laughs> yeah, big time. It was kind of like the little little ten minute spells against Brentford and Man United earlier in the season. 
that kind of domination at the end just comes from being able to control the game now. And I, I did have the, the thought did cross my mind, uh, and I think maybe Chelsea will be a good test of this. Is how we're, we're kind of learning now on the job, but we've played, you know, we've played Palace, you know, the likes of Everton, Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth. How will this way of playing pan out against you? Chelsea's your Liverpool will we be allowed to control I, I think they'll press us higher up I think if you see Villa come in you've, you've, you've checked out how Villa are playing the last month and you're obviously going to do something about it aren't you and that's, that's what I'm intrigued yeah. what do the better teams do to stop this you camp on the edge of the box and you stop Villa playing into midfield like Arsenal did like City did at times like Leicester did pretty well in that game Hit it was Leicester that Put, basically double treble teamed Kamara every time he yeah, got the yeah. ball yeah they put basically Madison went almost man to man on him mm. it was the was it the nuanced press rather than just all yeah. all action press they they focused it yeah it was a rare day of of recent times where Leicester actually got the game plan right because they've been pretty woeful of late but yeah they beat us they, they beat Spurs and then they just buggered yeah. off but yeah, that yep. that is yeah. But what they did is they let Martinez have the ball they let Mings have the ball Conzer have the ball but they stopped the i think they stopped the fullbacks but they definitely stopped the uh, the deep two louise and kamara because if kamara and louise are taken out of playing out the back th- then you got problems we have to play a very different way then and uh, you know we we don't necessarily have our alternative style I'm reluctant to say plan B, but a, a different way of playing but yeah i'm i'm intrigued because uh, i think chelsea will uh be aware of what we're doing and uh, you know they've obviously got uh, better personnel to do something about it potentially individually they have collectively you wonder if they've got some of the combinations we do and if they're how how well drilled they are at the moment yeah anything else about the game lots of uh, applause is yes well there was the there was the one in the first half for the lad in the lower hole with the pub bombings banner yeah, um, and then of course David Brooks returned after I can't remember the number of days. Someone did mention it in the press the number of days he'd been been out for. It was as long as about five hundred days yeah. or something since he'd, his last game. After, but very, uh, very well after cancer, it was very it was well him, uh, sure. served by Villa fans as well. Yeah, I think once people realised who it was, well, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's that guy, which is good. But Villa were in for him at one stage, weren't they? They were apparently. Yeah. Apparently, they recorded fifteen million for him at, at that time. Because Bournemouth had just been relegated. Yeah. But uh, overall, I think what we saw against Bournemouth was probably their best performances, probably under Emery. And, and you know, but just by saying that, probably in a very long time, is, you know, the likes of Ramsey, Mings had a very good, uh, I mean, the, the block that he did was uh, sensational. Great on Solanke, yeah. Yeah. Cash had a great game Emery, in defence as well. Yeah. I- I thought Martinez playing out from the back was neater. He was actually hitting the fullbacks a lot better. He went out to cash about three or four times and hit it with like straight to feet, pinpoint accuracy, which is much more like it. We've already mentioned uh, Moreno going, especially going forward. That's, that was his best game, I think, by uh, by far. Yep. He, he, sh- he showed that he was he was heading that way in the West Ham game, but I think overall he was mm. he had a better game. Yeah, but you can see now as clear as day why uh, Emery wanted him in. Yeah, big time. He's probably been chasing him for a while now at Villarreal, but when you're at a team that's kind of on the same level as Real Betis that we got him from. And financially, probably, I'd imagine they weren't yeah. in a position to make a big dent. With Premier League wages, you can go, well, we'll just double your money. Yeah, we'll very comfortably, you. I'd imagine. Thank you very much. You like English food? Tough. Do you like English weather? Tough. <laughs> you like English money? Yeah, I thought you did. Welcome. But yeah, McGinn has done very well, I think, in his position. It's interesting, isn't it, how he just didn't work, really, under Smith and Gerard when he was asked to kind of play in a deeper role. Mm-hmm. But he slotted in there, and we don't even... You know, we lost one of the, the starting deep sitters, and then probably his replacement, Dendonka, the, who we thought would slot straight in. Instead of playing it safe and just putting Chambers in there, Emery's... This is a good thing about him. He's It's all about... The way we're playing out the back, it's all about the end product, which is the attack and creating chances. And, that, and you know, if, if you want an example of that, and that's playing McGinn with proper instructions... And you're seeing McGinn and Ramsey that Gerard tried to uh, utilise, but they're actually being utilised properly here and kind of pivotal for this whole thing working at its maximum potency. It's all looking good for the future. The, the proper instructions, what you said, summed it up because 
It seemed to be before when McGinn was just told, oh, play deeper today. That, that was as far as the instructions went. And it's like, right, what do I do? Do I run about kamikaze? Do I, I bounce from one player to the next? Do I cover here? But now yeah. he's played deeper. It's like, no, you take the ball and you set attacks up. It's, it's a lot more disciplined, for sure. But he, he has got attributes that actually allow him to play that role quite well. Well, he, he had a couple of ones where he won the ball back and he just barged the guy off the ball. It was almost like the John McGinn we saw in the championship. It was great. Yeah. And then a little bit more dynamic carrying the ball and always looking in field. He was, they were always looking to go out to Moreno. There's a few other things we'll talk about uh, in terms of going forward, but uh, I think it's time now to uh, have a quick media Muppets. <laughs> Right, Phil, what's in the uh, the trough this week? Well, it seems like Joey Barton has been bullying Aston Villa loanees. I mean, what? I don't think it's a, I don't think he stubbed he a cigar in any of their eyes or nothing, but you know, there's a shocking headline in the, the Birmingham Mail this week. Is he going down? <laughs> the, the shocking headline is Joey Barton, Barton launches not acceptable rant after Aston Villa starlet's mistake. I mean, oh, my. Who? What, what starlet? Who? The starlet's Lamar Bogard. Aston Villa youth player who has been loaned out to Bristol Rovers, who Barton manages. So, what what was unex- unacceptable about it, or not? Well, not acceptable. Well, I mean, the the, the headline does get one bit right. The, um, the mistake because the Bogard did make a mistake in a recent two 0 defeat, but the the wannabe intellectual thug that is Joey Barton, he it's a big Smiths fan. What philosophers does he like? Oh, he likes. Did you not remember he went to Marseille for a season and he picked up like Voltaire and all these, um, and Nietzsche and all these ones? Anyway, sorry, carry on. So what Barton was actually referring to was the pitch, the state of his own home pitch. Barton actually said, I think it's our pitch. He won't be used to that at Villa, a bobble off the pitch. The ball hits a molehill or a bobble and it gets away from him. So I think we can stand down the, the angry Bayern mob is going to go after Joey Barton for a while because he wasn't talking about Bogard at all, just his own side's home pitch. Just talking about molehills. Have they got moles? <laughs> It'd be great to see Villa Villa play in uh, against Bournemouth in uh, like the last ten minutes. A, a mole pops up <laughs> in the six yard box and bear, headers it in. Who was the Villa mole, by the way? Did we ever get to the bottom of that? No. Yeah. Also, not medium muppets, but social media muppets. It's I saw this on like Mom's Facebook first, and then that Stato account put one up, which has been tweeted. Hyper positivity gets you likes. That's why I don't do hyper-positivity. But uh, this under Emery, because I've I've been doing these tables all the time because, you know, I kind of keep tabs on things for various uh, articles and obviously the podcast. And I I know where we're pitching up and I know whatever teams have been doing well, Emery's been our our boss. And suddenly there's this table with third like third best team under Emery. Surely that's not right. And I checked my, uh, my basically Emery started November the 1st. So I checked that from November the 1st onwards and we're, and we're still sixth and Brighton have got a game in hand on us uh, on seventh, which is as expected. So people have been calculating it from Emery's first game onwards, which was, was, which was on a Sunday. So that doesn't take in account that weekend's games on a Saturday and maybe the Friday night one. So you can't do a proper table because you'll notice on that one where Villa are third, most of the teams have played a game less because you're not counting their games. If you're going to do form for Emery, it has to be that weekend's game onwards. That's why you take it from November the 1st when he took the job because that covers that weekend's games and onwards. So beware of uh, the hype mongers after their likes. Anyway, any media nuggets, Phil? Just one from the Daily Mail, surprisingly. It's on the uh, cost-cutting... Didn't, didn't have you as a Daily Mail reader? Oh, I, I go across the whole spectrum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> politically <laughs> fluid. <laughs> people, uh, get cro- people get caught in the crossfire, Phil. This is yeah. the this is about the cost cut the cost cutting needed at Sheffield United to avoid administration. So you'd think this was a bit strange with the blades sitting in one of the automatic pre- promotion spots. So it's a it's a tightrope of balancing act to avoid administration, which would come with a twelve point deduction. And in the FA Cup semi final, may I add? Yes. Mm-hmm. What a game that was, by the way, against Blackburn. So all they all they really need to do is get over the line and get to the Premier League, and all their financial worries will go away. Hey, hey hold on there. That's what they said to Doctor Tony. <laughs> well, we'll know how that ended. 
<laughs> so I don't know if this happened at Villa at the time either. They've went to the unusual lengths of turning off the undersoil heating, cutting back on fertilizer for the training pitches, and limiting the amount of paint used to maintain the facilities, and stopping use of costly analytics firms. Well, <laughs> really, all they should have done was just turn Hawkeye off because, well, you know, you know what, what we did last time. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> it did work really well. All right. So before we go on and discuss a couple of other Villa things, uh, thank you very much to all of My Old Man Said members for supporting the show. If you are a My Old Man Said member, you get access to extra shows, ad-free shows, and most of all, Match Club our 24-7 community where we also meet up to do live shows to cover away games and also, you know, impromptu sessions, which really we should do uh, more of. And there's also other things in uh, Match Club, more than just football. It's it's like the hive mind, isn't it? The hive mind of listeners. So uh, if you want to become a My Old Man Said member and get more details, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the members link to uh, get everything that you need there so uh, the international break now kind of gives us a nice couple of weeks to contemplate what is essentially the battle for 11th place is it not in the short term <laughs> See at where least. We could end up yep. the, yeah i mean the the, the, the season the sort of the tables become quite condensed hasn't it all of a sudden yeah but uh, i'm referring to the trip to stamford bridge which indeed for what I've said earlier on about how this system starts to mature against, let's say, better teams, I'd still include Chelsea in that. But I'm kind of feeling the way I do looking at Chelsea now as I would be visiting White Hart Lane where you know that we can actually beat Spurs because we've done it mm-hmm. a couple of times now in the in the last few seasons. And I'm thinking this one, I mean, I'm not even thinking about Europe, but I think if we beat Chelsea, then I'm starting to think, oh, hang on a minute. Interestingly, when I was at uh, Bodymore, they were talking about they don't really want to be talking about uh, Europe because that's not what they're really thinking about at this stage. And that's why Emery hasn't kind of mentioned it. But when we beat Bournemouth, he, he did refer to Europe, didn't he? In terms of ambition, well, I don't I know if he was necessarily talking yeah. about this season. I think it's just giving yourself a, what is the ultimate, you know, what is the, the best we could possibly achieve is probably seventh. The likelihood is you wouldn't, but I think if you, if you give yourself something to really go for and you get in and amongst it, you never know. I, th- I, th- I think if we were to get a single figure place in the table, that would be considered really good progress, even just being above 10th because of the number of teams between, you know, well, 11th and 7th. There's a lot, there's, you know, it's a real big cluster in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, in terms of the whole, how that where we finish in the league marks us as progress, I mean, I, I don't see that. I'm, and I'm almost not that bothered where we do finish in terms of it's how we're developing. And the, But the, at the same time, uh, the bottom line is you expect if we're developing the right way and it looks to be 100% that we are, then we should, we just, nature takes its cause, you should finish in the top half. Then as you start to think about it tactically, like, to see this team develop and be at its maximum, the onus on where you're going to finish next season has a bigger spectrum in terms of higher spectrum. So then you think, then you're thinking, and it's more important as well. Where we finish now, where we've been compromised, you know, one, you know, we're kind of one arm tied behind our back after our start. So it's not really a reflection of how good we are as a team. Next season will be. So with that said, do you really want to be pissing around in the UEFA Conference League or whatever? If that compromises what you're going to be doing next season i'd kind of prefer to finish like i don't know ninth eighth and have a real clear clear run next season at the league and see what we can really do yeah i still think it's good note if you can be as high as you possibly can be it gives you just a target to try and you know go for like we said a few weeks ago try and be above chelsea and you think well if you do that you're probably going to be in a good position anyway that's something i haven't even factored in finishing above them you're looking at first of all time (laughs) You know, when you're a, when you're a lion, you're looking at because you know lions are a bit lazy. They like to take the easy prey, and you, you're kind of looking at Fulham at the moment as the easy prey because now they've got suspensions galore. Yeah, was it three in about th- three or four minutes? Three red cards. So that's going to give you tenth, and then who's the next light most likely? And you'd probably say Brentford. Brentford probably. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't, we don't know how we don't know how Chelsea are going to develop. 
they might not get as good as we think. But I think you'll know in that game against Villa. I think it's yep. almost like it changes the complexion. If it, one of those teams wins that game, I think it sees off Villa in in Chelsea's eyes as a threat to finishing higher than them. If Villa win, then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, hang on a minute, we yeah. can probably finish a bit higher here than we yeah. first anticipated. But as I've said, I, I just I look at our running. And I think it is a, we've probably got the most difficult running in the league. When you factor in, you're having to go to Chelsea, you've got to go to Man United, you've got to go to Liverpool, you've got to play Spurs at home, who we never, our home record against them is atrocious, isn't it? And then you've got obviously got to go to Brentford, who we haven't tended to do well at, Brighton and Fulham at home, trip to Wolves, where our record's poor. So it's if we are to achieve something really good, we will have thoroughly deserved it because it's a really difficult end to the yeah. season, especially May. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of wins in there, but uh, you'd be yeah, yeah. Pat, you'd be patting yourself on the back to get them big all. Big time. Yeah, yep. big time. Right, we've had so many technical issues doing this show that we're going to have to call it uh, a day at this point, just for our own sanity. We're actually sitting here very uh, well. I am. I'm very angry. Very angry. <laughs> Let's get out of here. We've got now. We've got two weeks to uh, decompress. Is that the? Is that the? Uh, what we're going to be doing? I don't know, but it's nice Hopefully. to. Nice to be four games unbeaten, three of those wins, and uh, the pivotal game. I think now in terms of where this season, anyway. I think if we can win that, then it suddenly you know you're you're thinking about things that you perhaps shouldn't be thinking about if we beat Chelsea. Ooh, yeah. So it's kind of pivotal. I would say the, the the most pivotal game left, unless you get to the end where you need you know you need to win to qualify for Europe or whatever. But I think this is the game that sets anything up. At the same time, it's an intriguing marker in terms of the way we're playing to see how Chelsea would potentially try to stop it. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the old Stamford Bridge uh, encounter, Battle of the Bridge. So until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.